So, hallelujah. Um, interesting title, The Misuse. I, I, I didn't know what to, I, there were so many different things coming up. I could just had to add them all. The misuse, misinterpretation, or misappropriation of Christ's authority. Take any one of those, okay? But it all has something to do with authority. The misuse, misinterpretation, or misappropriation of Christ's authority. So we're going to, obviously, the lesson today is about Christ's authority in us. And it always, for us, because it's our assignment, it always goes back to revival. It always goes back to kingdom of God. It always comes back to uh, duplicating everything that he left. So you, we understand this, and our time is very valuable, so there's only a certain amount of words that can be said, so it's very important for me to listen. But what is coming and what is now is has always been. It's always been. You can't create something. Revival doesn't create something that hasn't already always been granted. It's always been here since Christ came. It's just that it lived in its fullness for a couple of hundred years, roughly speaking, and then waned or died out through the centuries. There's been upticks at times, upticks of what you would call something very similar to the pos of what he left, but nothing permanent. We are searching for and believing for a permanency, an absolute permanency of the kingdom of God in, as it looked then and as it will look now. So it's, the lesson today is to take us to a place of continually looking at how we ought to continue to stand in his authority, his particular authority. I, I've got it in my notes, but I'll say it now because he brings it to my attention. I would go back, if I were you, and I have to go back myself, listen to one of those last prophecies of the 2020 prophecies, the blueprint for 2020. There's one that says, move out of my authority. And the Holy Spirit continues to, to define in that. There's paragraph after paragraph of how important it is not to move out of your self-induced authority. In other words, you can be right in an issue. You can be what you feel like very right in an issue. But if you're not very, if you don't watch yourself in the spirit, you're going to ultimately move out of your authority even when you feel like you're vindicated in something or in, even when you feel like you're um, uh, right in a certain issue, uh, even when you use soft words, <laughs> soft words can still carry uh, the vehemence of yelling or this, that, and the other doesn't always denote someone standing in fleshly authority. But your authority must come from a place of humility. Humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself. Gary heard those words last year, and it still seems to be ringing so true nowadays. Well, what does humble yourself mean? Go all the way back to everything originates from him. Your confidence in what you are and who you are and your stand for this nation or for revival has to come out of that spiritual authority where you're not standing in yourself and trying to project something, but you're standing in Christ in his humility, which is all dependency is on him, and all dependency is on his authority. So let's go to Mark chapter 16 for just a moment. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Okay. 
Hallelujah. We're, this is some familiar ground here for just a few moments, and then uh, we'll go on to some other stuff. But we're, we're kind of familiar with, we should be, Mark chapter 16. Verse 15 says this, And he said unto them, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, that's our commission. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs, now here comes the deutimous power as a result of what we've been called to, our commission. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues, and they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall, what? Recover. They will recover. Hallelujah. So there is two types of power. Actually, we'll, we'll distinguish one as authority, but they're both listed as in word, King James, as in power. And we'll go over those just for a moment because it's important towards the latter end of, of this message. Uh, two types of power, and, and let's look at the first one. Listed in Luke chapter 10. Okay, I hope you have your Bible or I hope you have your smart device where you're following along. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus said this, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, I'll read this as part of that. Notwithstanding in, these, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in, in heaven. So the disciples had, you know, they had, in context with this, the disciples had just seen the power of God manifest, or the authority of God. They're very excited about it. So Jesus says, these words unto them and he says he said unto them in 18 i'll read it again i beheld satan as lightning fall from heaven behold i give unto you power that word power and we've covered this several times before but i'll remind you and to some it's new it's the word exousia but the word exousia here is the word really authority in the greek it means this the sense of ability a privilege i.e or for example a force a capacity a competency Freedom or objective mastery. It's a concrete, concretely uh, magistrate, superhuman, potentate, token of control. A lot of different things here. Um, but I like these. It is a liberty, a power, or a right. And that is spelled out in the Greek. In other words, it is, you could say it like this, it's a license to. It's the granting to, it's the, it's the permission or the granting to to say, you have this authority, I give it to you. King James says the power, but that word power there is best interpreted authority. Now, let's look at another word uh, that is power, but is interpreted a different way, and that is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And of course, this is one that we're very familiar with on the road to revival. Thank you, Jesus. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said this, 
but you shall receive power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This word power here is not the word authority, it's the word deutimus, which means raw strength, explosive power. And so here Jesus is saying um, the specifics of it. I'll say this, miraculous power. This is out of the Greek. It is a force, a force literally, figuratively, specifically, miraculous power. Um, Implications by miracles itself, ability, abundance, meaning, might. It is might. It's power, it's strength, it is violence, it's mighty. All these words make up the definition of, this, is the, this, is, this here is not the permission to do or the granting to do, this is the, this is the molecule changer. This is, this is the Holy Ghost now interacting. This is the Holy Ghost coming upon the church in the individual and as we understand it this morning, what we're believing God for is uh, an outpouring that we're confessing has already, already began. But there's two types of power. One, the granting of authority. Do it because you have my authority to do it. It's granted to you. And the backup of that authority, in other words, when I use that name, something backs it up. It backs it up. The righteousness of my born-again spirit is part of it. But the actual, the actual molecule changer is the Holy Ghost. He's the one that gets in and does the, the works of uh, Mark 16, where the, you, know, you lay hands on the sick, and they will recover, and they shall recover. I will remind you to, as I said, I was in my notes earlier, move out of my authority. I believe that's the title. That's a good one. It's really, really good because it's from the Holy Spirit, and we need to rehearse that. I can't do that this morning. I will say this, if you miss, if you miss exousia, deutimus will not work for you. I'll say that a few times. If you, if you miss, if you miss exousia, they're, they're trying to invade us. Somebody's, yeah, we know. We got a technician working on it. Just, just throw it on the floor and stomp it. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you misuse or misuse exousia, which is the proper way to use his authority, deutimus, which is raw power, will not work for you or eventually will begin to wane and not, it'll be improperly, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll mess it up in time to come. Both, both authority and power must be working together. You say, well, um, that's, that's a good statement, but we're going to show the practicality of it as we go on. Um, our greatest, I will say this, our greatest possibility to affect or to have an effect on the world or on our government, because that's a present-day issue, is for us to stay focused on spiritual things of the kingdom of God. That's the greatest thing, that, that's the greatest application that we can do. I'm all about awareness. 
You know, I have people that know a whole lot more than me. I've got a friend that's watching this morning. He knows he's my buddy. He's probably got more insight and more background on things um, than most anybody I've heard. Um, but he's real congenial with me. He'll, during this whole past tense thing that we just went through, he would ask me, Pastor, I'll send you this if you want me to, if you don't want me to, because he, he feels like, you know, because he could choke me on it, you know, so, and real congenial on that. I'm all about information. I'm all about intel when it's necessary, but I can tell you this, our greatest effect, and this person agrees, and we all that are on this path, our greatest effect on the world that we live in is only going to be manifest by our spiritual authority. No amount of awareness. Even if you know something, what can you do? Other than tell somebody it's coming, pray for it, and get other people to know it's coming. And if you can get other people to vote against it, possibly. You know, there is a, there is a virtue in awareness. I understand that. But I'm telling you, all of us, Anything that we can possibly do to affect the world around us. See, we're salt and light. We're a city set on a hill. Our assignment, here's our assignment. It's already been given to us. Our assignment is receive an outpouring for a mockley. And then the tsunami of that or the effect of that is supposed to be God's kingdom in the earth in southwest Florida. That's, to me, it's simple. But it's, it's not simple to perform there's a lot going on to keep us from it. Um, but our greatest possibility to affect this world and our government is for us to stay focused on the spiritual things of the kingdom of God. There will be no, absolutely no reformation, and there is no hope for America without a spiritual revival. Just absolutely. There's, it, without a spiritual revival, spiritual revivals really are the things that precipitated America coming into existence anyway. It was not the, it was not the tongues, shandalai, shandalai, you know, tongues, power revivals, but it was the revivals that precipitated uh, people crossing a, an ocean, coming to a continent because of their religious beliefs. That was something inside of them, a spiritual, that changed and put into effect you know, later, many, many, many years later, constitutions, Bill of Rights, uh, different platforms for America um, as we know it today. The salt and light that we are to be to our cities and nation will only come through a spiritual awakening. Hallelujah. Would you wave at me if you're a city set on a hill? You're an individual city set on a hill. You really are. Jesus described us as that. Now, Wednesday night's message was... I would call it another powerful message. Um, and I, what, here's the thing. When I said some things, when I said some things, um, I could almost feel, and this is not an indictment against anybody, I could almost feel it was very, I will say it like this, very thought-provoking. It was very thought-provoking. It was almost to the point where uh, I could feel it maybe in here. I don't, you know, maybe, I don't think it was just me, either in here or I, I really believe maybe in here, out there. In essence, it was like, what? You said that? I can't believe you said that after the strong stand that you made over the last several months. And I could feel that, but yet the boldness was there to make that. 
And uh, I was, I was kind of right. I will say this. Um, I'm, I'm going to use a, immediately the next day, uh, you know, email, text, and people were asking questions. And I'll qualify this. I'll, I'll definitely want to qualify this. Um, the, the email, the text, any, any other, any possible response or responses to Wednesday night were all questions asked in um, respect, all in respect, the people that did it, or the people that asked it, rather, uh, are part of our friends, they're part of our family, they're supporters to the church, and everything was, and I'm really so glad that they asked the questions, because they were honest questions, and they were questions that I knew when I said some of the things that I said, that people were like, and I'm so glad. Do you know the Holy Spirit sometimes will say things to provoke? To provoke, to kind of pull out of you what may need a little bit of biblical direction, correction, uh, ideology, if you want to say it in a way of you need to think this way. See, listen, and I believe this is where we all are. They're on this road to revival. I will run with you in a pack. And we'll all be saying the same things. And you'll feel like, man, we're all buds, and we are, and we're all. But if any place I see where the word goes that way, and you still want to go that way, I'm going that way. It's not my job ever to run in a, a pack or a clique or, a, or a, a, a fault with anybody, not best friends, not anybody. It's always important for me to give you the word of God. And that's what anybody wants if they call me pastor and nobody's threatened that at all I'm just telling you as we look at and I don't have it all I certainly don't have it all but I stay enough in the word of God that I look at 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 all both old and new a panoramic view of all scripture so that never does my mind get going in one particular area so strong that the Holy Spirit can invade me in another area by his scripture, both old and new, and bring me continual into a place where I'm thinking like Christ. Because as I think like Christ, then I'm able to, I, my desire is to get this uh, deutimus out on the people, but for me to get the deutimus out on the people, I have to continually work in the exousia. Does that make sense? Okay, I have to work properly in the authority for the power to get out the people. I'm going to read a couple of these, and again, they are real honest, and they're, they're you're, those that sent, I'm thanking you because you're really helping me. Uh, this is not a correction at all. It's like what was on a lot of other people's hearts, and maybe sometimes they were just too scared to ask, or like, oh, we just, okay, okay. <laughs> and of course, you'll be anonymous, okay, of course. Pastor Bronk, you said, and they had in quotation, to say Joe Biden is not my president puts me in rebellion and not submitting to authority. If I'm misquoting, please correct me. I think earlier in your message you said that it was, that it was pastors who led a revolt against the crown. And it wasn't, um, I, I shared uh, a video uh, from the week before actually. 
and I noted that there was uh, a number of pastors that did participate in the American Revolution, and, but it wasn't that service, and, uh, and that was true during that time, and this person will end up this very respectfully, and in a good sense of the word, um, that particular um, revolt started with, of course, all you history people know that that was the shot fired around the world at Concord, um, American history. Now, I've read other, the, Brit, the, the, the British will say different. American history will tell you that the, the Brits fired the first shot at Concord. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the Patriots were there waiting for them, ready, say, you're not coming on here. But that's how it began. So how, he says, how are those pastors and those who resisted England's authority any different from those who say that Joe Biden is not their president? Does our Constitution, does not our Constitution allow us to protest election officials peacefully, um, specifically one where it was stolen? Uh, God bless you, Pastor, and this person sincerely meant that and due respect. Uh, we're going to answer that question as we go. And of course, I'll just tell you right to start with, uh, we, we can uh, resist peaceably and, and we can resist primarily in the way in which we understand revival comes, and that is through prayer. But questions concerning, uh, and th let me read another one. Um, uh, the other one was very close to the same, very, sh very short. Both of these are family to me. They're friends and family. Listening to your Wednesday night service, do we have to call an illegitimate president our president? We all know the election was a sham. Just wondering, Pastor, thanks. <laughs> now, I'm reading from what people sent. I'm not saying that this morning myself, although um, uh, many of you understand uh, our position as we have we have fought in the spirit over the last few months. Let me, let me go back to Wednesday night service. It's, isn't it great that we have recordings of everything that we say? It's so good. So I went back. I, I viewed it twice. I wrote it down verbatim of what I actually said. We came to a one part in the beginning, and I said it was a, a lesson on facts, uh, reality, and truth, I think was the title lesson. But the, at the, the part that I could feel like, wake-up call for a lot of people, um, the ver verbatim quote was, facts, I said facts, coming, getting to that point, facts, Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Somebody said, and I was like making a fictitious figure, somebody said, he's not mine. Well, I can't do anything for you on that. You have to make those decisions but I'm telling you, factually, he is the president of the United States, and you need to acknowledge that fact and reality. Now, I went on to explain, and I think this is where people were like, I'm listening, but I don't think I agree. I went on to explain, if you are unwilling to acknowledge that fact and reality, you are becoming part of the rebellion. Now, I don't say stuff like that unless I can back it up scripturally, okay? So... We're going to back it up scripturally. God places, listen to this, and we'll give you some scripture. God places the premium of respect for the office 
uh, on the office rather than the man. Do you understand that? The premium of respect is always on the office rather than the man or the woman, the person. Now, go to first. This is a familiar scripture, but let's go there. We were there Wednesday night, I believe. Let's go to first Timothy chapter 2. And we'll look at verse 1. Hallelujah. I am so glad. Excuse me for walking over here. I am so glad that I'm smart enough to take up offerings prior to messages like this. Hallelujah. Well, I can cancel my check. No, you can't. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, let's look at first, first Timothy 2, verse 1. And he says, I exhort, this is Paul writing, he says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Ooh, now that's going to be stretching some of you. Be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. Does all mean all or not? I mean, okay. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. That's what God wants. He wants a light. And that goes back to Ezekiel. Pray for the peace. In all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who will have? Why? What's the objective? Who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. So we understand that. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 13. Now, this will challenge, challenge you a little bit. Let's look at verse 1 through 7. This is talking about being in submission to authorities. Let every soul be subject unto the higher power. And that higher power, he's not talking about God. He's very specifically talking about governments, right on down to law enforcement. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And now people's brains are like, oh, God, this is crazy. And people run, they run. You know, I mean, even what I'm trying to teach, they're like, what about Hitler? What about this? What about China? What about? Stay with me. Listen. Stay in the word. Stay in the word. Whosoever, therefore, resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. Now we can go right on down. Right on down is specifically talking, I mean, the overall umbrella was governments, but now it's going to talk specifically about law enforcement and the laws. Anytime anybody under any justif thought of justification begins to degrade law enforcement when they are trying, I mean, they're, the argument of good cop, bad cop is not in play in here. We're talking about what God ordains them for. And it says you're against God if you begin to speak evil against them. For he's the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword or the nine millimeter or the, the pistol on his side or whatever. 
he or she does not bear that in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, in other words, the wrath there is like, they'll put you in the prison, or they will shoot you if they have to, if you're in an insurrection mode. But also, for conscience sake, now he switches for conscience, one is, you better be afraid, because you could go to prison, but if you're not just for that purpose, as of a good conscience, because it's, if you do that which is illegal, you should be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Okay? For this cause pay tribute also, for they are God's minister, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore unto their dues or tribute. What is that? It's taxes. Okay? Pay your taxes. If you can, if legally you can, uh, the IRS allows you to, if, if, you, if you can avoid avoidance, is not illegal if you can legally avoid but what will send you to jail is if you owe it and don't pay it or that's usually the last you know i mean people get scared on that you'll they'll usually start garnishing wages and start this that and the other but we don't we if we know we owe it we pay it because of good conscience okay Render, therefore, to all their dues, tributes to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom, and it means respect, respect to whom respect, and honor to whom honor. This, now, people will say, but you don't understand America today. Listen, this was written by Paul for a, to, to the people that were under Roman government. This was Roman government, okay? So we oftentimes have our little ways that we want to escape things in our brain. Well, this was talking about, okay, God is not validating everything about a government or saying that he ordains every person in office, but he is saying, he is saying that he ordains the office for the purpose of law and order. And respect for that person in the office should be shown as much as possible for the purpose of law and order. Now, now I did research on this. I spent some time doing it. Rome, although it was corrupt in many different ways, and ultimately, you know, killed Paul and Peter. And we know what, you know, had the part it had with Jesus. But Rome had laws. It was illegal to murder. It was illegal uh, to steal. Um, extortion was illegal. Fraud, all kinds of, they had laws. And uh, there was, so Paul was talking about respect for the law and order and as much due respect as possible for, for the office, for the very office. Of course, when man's laws, conf, uh, laws conflict with God's laws, we are to follow God's laws regardless of the cost. Acts 5.29 says, Peter, Then Peter and other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Gary said the other day something um, in one of his messages. He said, If I would have been alive in Nazi Germany, I would have still obeyed their 
traffic laws, their this, that law, this, that, and the other. But if they, when, they told, when they put into effect, all Germans must identify and tell where they know the Jews are at, and they were going to exterminate them, then you go against that law. Because that goes against, murder goes against God's law. See, I will pay my taxes. I will, you know, I will obey the laws of the land under any administration. But when they make a law that says, okay, all ordained, licensed pastors that have churches must, on request, marry same-sex marriages. Well, then, well, then, you know, then I will, gladly. I won't like not having to have Sunday dinner with my grandkids. But you don't think that I won't in a heartbeat and spend the rest of my life there if necessary. Because I will not bend. I will not bow. I will not give in to death. To death. Glory to God. We have to have that kind But, some say, um, he's, he's, a, uh, he's not a legitimate president. If you meet, let me ask you this, if you, meet, if you met President Biden in the Oval Office, would you address him as President Biden? If, if you say no, you are scripturally out of order. But he's not a legitimate president. Well, let me give you some now short parables like this don't always apply in every direction but the word does and I'll give you a word in a moment listen when a baby is conceived in the back seat of a car or any other place on the first date or whenever and there's no license for it people used to call that illegitimate but do you think in, in your wildest imagination, once that baby is conceived and comes into this world, do you think in your mind, do you think God looks at that person as illegitimate? There is worth as much in God's sight. How they got there and how they were conceived did not devalue their, you want to say their office? Many years, for many years, as when you're a pastor for 30 years, you see things coming in people's lives, and sometimes people get involved with other people, and they want to get married. And I'll, I've said to people at times, don't do it. Don't do it. I, why? Just don't do it. It's not going to work. And sometimes people will get in and get married I'll, I'll give a disclaimer here to say a lot of those people have and come out of certain situations and they're living very wonderful lives in Christ now. But I'm telling you, for people that go into marriage and they realize, hey, pastor was right, or if he didn't say anything, I realize this whole thing was, <laughs> this thing was messed up from the beginning. I'm out of order. This thing was not a, God didn't call me, even if they're Christians, God didn't call me to this. This is not, listen, once 
you say I do before God, you cannot even because there, you've got to have some real hardcore problems to delegitimize it. You don't say, well, we were wrong. No, you're stuck like Chuck. Except that you go into God and try to, you do everything from that point on. If you say, man, I disobeyed God. This whole thing come about by an illegitimate process. It doesn't matter once the I do's are said and the pronouncement is made, then it's legitimized. It's a marriage now. There's no getting out of it. You can't, well, we, it, wasn't, it wasn't ordained of God. You can't say this marriage is not legitimate because we, we made the wrong decisions. No, it's legit, bro. You've got you to gotta fight like you're in church. Because it's legit. In other words, illegitimate processes don't de-legitify the office. Well, I just don't know about all that. Well, let's go to Word. Well, I won't call him president. Well, okay. You know, a lot of people are big boys in their own minds. And then when they get in front of people sometimes, I'd like to see all the people that would say, I'm not going to. I'd like to see how big, I'd like to see how big you are. Let's see if you cave or you just, well, I just, <laughs> I don't know what come over me. <laughs> I repented later. <laughs> I won't call him president. Okay. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. I want just to see some real practice. This is no deep spiritual revelation. It's just practicalities in what I'm teaching this morning. Now, Paul's call, I just want to establish Paul's call, part of what Paul's call was. Verse 13 says this, and this is where God was speaking, Christ was speaking to Ananias to go and tell him. This is just after, shortly after Paul had his road to Damascus experience. He's still blind. God has a disciple called Ananias. He wants him to go to pray for Paul and tell him, be healed and be baptized in the spirit and also here's your call and Ananias was like no I can't do that and Paul was God was saying yes you can and I want you to tell him these things this is what he wanted to tell him part of what he wanted to say is this um I'm in Romans you know that won't do but I've got it in front of me here but I like to turn while I'm here with you guys so I want you to see me turning in my Bible okay so verse 13 says this it says uh, and Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord answered him, Go thy way, for he is chosen a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before Gentiles. And what? kings. Paul was called to to stand before kings and the children of Israel, and I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I could say this. I mean, this might, you know, be a stretch for some of you, but God called them kings and said, I want you to go and stand before these men. I'm not saying that they, he didn't put in parentheses here, they're illegitimate kings, but I've got a call for you, Paul. You're supposed to go and you're supposed to 
minister to these people. Okay. Acts chapter 26. Let's look at Acts chapter 26. Now, Paul, as you know, got to minister. You know, when we get a, when we get a word like that, Bronk, you are called to go and minister to kings. And I'm like, whoa, thank you, Jesus. I get to stand in the courts of kings. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I worship you. My call is so much greater than everybody else because I get to stand before kings while everybody else has to minister to peasants. Oh, but Brock, also know this. As you stand before these kings, you will be in chains of imprisonment. That's how you got there. Uh, wait a minute. Can, I, can, you, can you give that to Homer? Can you give that to, to Ralph? Can you give that to somebody else? No, you'll stand before kings. Well, I'm excited about that except for the imprisonments. Now, numerous times, I can't tell you how many numerous, you'd have to read this, read this later. He's standing, this is on the road to, to, this is on his trek, I will say, to Rome. He's been arrested, I'm giving a brief, simple, and quick synopsis. He's been arrested in Jerusalem. He's been sent away uh, on, um, you know, he, he's, 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 he's sent away for his own protection then we go through this litany of governors and kings that retain Paul for a period of two to three years, you'll find out. It wasn't a quick trip to Rome. And as he's in the custody of these different kings, governors, rulers, um, he gets to give his testimony. He's given his testimony. And this is one of those episodes. And in verse 26, it's, or chapter 26, verse 1, it says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hands and answered for himself, I think myself happy, supposed king, since you're a heathen king. I'm not going to call you a king. I'm just going to say, I'm, I suppose, I think myself happy, Agrippa, Joe, Joe. I think myself happy, King Agrippa. That's a title. Because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I have accused of the Jews. Now, he said that multiple times, three, four, five times, I don't know, throughout that chapter. Same chapter, verse 26. Now, here's Festus. Now, Agrippa was a little bit more bent, and a little bit more bent towards compassion, because I think he, was, uh, he had studied prophecy and this, that, and the other. But he's still a Gentile and uh, not a worshiper of Christ. Now, this guy, Festus, is the one that actually sent him away eventually <laughs> to go to Rome, which you know, eventually led to his, his execution. But he's just one more of the many governors that Paul had to deal with. A man of, uh, he was a governor at that time, a Roman, working for Rome. And it's in this same, you know, Festus and Agrippa are sitting there. And verse 24 says, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, now this is Paul, I'm not mad. Most noble Festus. Do you know what most noble Festus? Somebody said, well, wait a minute. That's a heathen. He is... 
going to help send Paul to his death. He doesn't worship Christ at all. He thinks he's crazy. He's talking about this on the road. He gives him the testimony of this on the road Damascus experience. He says, you're crazy as a bed bug. I don't even have no idea what you're talking about. And Paul says, most noble Festus, it is a greeting. And was, Paul, was Paul calling an unrighteous man righteous? No, he had respect for his office. And that goes back to Romans chapter 13. Is there more? Oh, absolutely. It's full. It's all, the word's just cram-packed full of it. Uh, Daniel chapter 2. Go there with me. Let's go to the old. Hallelujah. 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 Are you still with me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've got to go past Ezekiel. Come on. Okay. Daniel chapter 2, verse 26. Now, this is where Daniel and his friends, they come into. Going to give you the highlights of this real quick. This is not your typical Christian kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar has invaded. Nebuchadnezzar has killed thousands of Jewish friends, family of these guys. He worships another god. He's a bad guy. He's really mean. And yet, God is going to use Daniel to help get this guy, I believe, saved. And amazing enough, you know, right to start with on his tenure as being in Babylon, Daniel is through a whole process that we've read many times before. That's not our message this morning. He's called before the king to interpret a dream. So he's there to interpret the dream in verse 26, chapter 2. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Belshazzar, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king hath demanded cannot be, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the, the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and thy visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, that, uh, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed that thou shalt come to pass hereafter. And he that revealeth secrets maketh wise to thee what shall come to pass. It may seem infantile to you, but nevertheless, it's in the word, and it's there again and again, that Daniel addressed this man by his title. He addressed it, okay? Daniel 3.16. Now, this is, this is Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. This is the old story that we give, you know, so many times about them going to the fire furnace. We've used it many times, and rightfully so, in context concerning this whole deal with the election process and whoever goes into office. But look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego answered and said unto him and to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar. Well, somebody said, oh yeah, they just named him Nebuchadnezzar. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Okay, well, let's hear what you have to say, these guys. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand O king, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy God nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now go to chapter 6, verse 19. 
This is Daniel in another administration. This guy had this guy put him in a lion's den. Okay? Okay, this guy, this is Darius. He puts him in a lion's den. Pastor, when somebody gets in office that does what Christian beliefs uh, go along with, then we're supposed to respect the office, or then we're supposed to give them a title of respect. What are we reading? What are we reading? Verse 19 says, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den of lions, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel, lamented. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God in whom thy servest, servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then Daniel Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Does this kind of sound kind of familiar? Uh, again, this is a proven, I'm not trying to beat a, a, a dead horse here. I'm just, I mean, it's, this, this whole thing is just truth proven. This guy continually speaks in respect to a heathen king that just had him thrown. But does this, there was a Jewish rabbi. I don't know if anybody, a young Jewish rabbi, and I don't know if anybody's heard of him, but the man said stuff like this. He said things like, uh, pray for them who despitefully use you. You think getting thrown in the fire or a den is being despitefully used? I would dare to say so. The point is is that we are salt and light. We are to be the city set on a hill. We cannot move out of our own authority. Now, uh, you're a pacifist, Pastor. Well, you, you don't even, well, nobody that watches that. That, mean, that would have to come from somebody, you know, that somebody else. You'll think pacifist if you try to come in on me and my children to hurt us. You'll say, my God, I was wrong about that man. <laughs> Amen. Glory be to God. Mm. <laughs> you don't even know what I'm legally packing either, do you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Not this one. This is a microphone, no. I'm <laughs> but I could if I wanted to. Um, listen, there is a spirit in these last days that wants to operate under its own authority. And we've got to be careful, even in our righteous fight, that we don't let it begin to, without us even noticing the most illegitimate authority on the planet is Satan, and yet uh, nothing but only the true authority of God can be used against him. Let's go to, this is, this is probably the crux of the message, go to Jude. Now Jude is a last day, as we have taught it many times before, it is a last day prophecy, okay? It goes along with Second Peter. Second Peter and Jude are twins almost about the last days. So, um, 
Well, Pastor, you know, while you're turning there, what, what would you, what would be your, okay, let me give you, okay, here's my Oval Office, my fictitious Oval Office um, visitation, okay? So I'm seated in the Oval Office, somebody takes me in, the president is not there, and the president will be in in just a, a moment. Sir, you can sit right there, Mr. Flint, thank you. When... Uh, Joe Biden enters the room, um, I stand up. If he wants to shake my hand, I will shake his hand, and I will say, Mr. President. But he says, have a seat, Mr. Flint. Thank you, sir. Uh, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. I understand because they've briefed me on you. You're a pastor. Um, is there anything that you would like to tell me to start with because anything would you like to share would you like to share well yes sir I would um, first of all I'd like to tell you that I'm praying for you I am praying for you that you have a experience with God that uh, interprets out to a real heartfelt relationship with Jesus Christ and I will continue to pray for you throughout your administration well thank you Mr. Flint what else well sir uh, I want to tell you that I I disagree with probably just almost all of your policies um, primarily in uh, the sanctity of life and sir my disagreement is not based upon my own opinion. My disagreement is based upon the, the documents of what I serve, which is the Bible. I disagree with you on your sanctity of life, your definition of marriage, and uh, your defining of the legit legitimacy of gender um, rights and those kinds of things. On those issues, I, sir, very respectfully, vehemently, I did not vote for you, sir. And if you run again, I will, if you keep these same policies, I will not vote for you again. I will do everything in my peaceable, peaceable, um, God-given rights and American rights as far as what is free speech and should be free speech to teach others that these things, these policies are not from God. And uh, thank you for your, your time. Okay. Well, I would be insulting. I would let him know, you know what? Well, then you would, listen, Daniel got Nebuchadnezzar probably saved and Darius because the Bible said he had an excellent spirit in him. You can vehemently stand against something, but let's talk about the spirit that's in the earth today. Let's, and it, it, it's alive. It's, it's very much alive. Let's look at Jude. Uh, I could start, it's so, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read down. Jude, verse 1, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you, peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who
who were before or uh, of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them with the of them that believe not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains unto darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Even Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, now this is where we're this is where we really want to come to. Look at verse eight. Likewise, also, these are filthy dreamers, defile the flesh, and also they do what? They despise dominion. That is those in authority. There is a spirit that just rejects authority in these last days. And they speak evil of dignities or dignitaries. In other words, there is, listen, Antifa is not the only uh, spirit out there. It is part of that, but listen, this is where we have to be careful. Don't let it bleed into the church. And it can because you can feel so justified in your stand. There's no force ever more illegitimate than Satan himself. And yet, look at this. Yet, he said, Michael, he gives an example, in other words, Catch this. You really need to catch this part. Yet Michael, the archangel, who's Michael the archangel? Well, three times he's mentioned in Daniel, two times, well, one time in here, and then one time in Revelation. He is the archangel. He is a, he's a man of war. That's the best way. He's a hitman. He is God's muscle. Uh, Daniel defines him. He's, if, Dan, if you know, Gabriel announces births, love you, Gabriel, Michael shows up, with a trench coat and dark sunglasses. <laughs> and this guy is bad. All the angels like, Michael's coming. Hmm. The archangel means chief among angels. Look it up in the, arc, in the Greek. Chief among angels. He walks by like, <laughs> don't get him mad at you. Step back, he's coming by. When they say Michael is coming, everybody Everybody hides, and, or everybody's like, straighten up. Not time to be telling jokes, straighten up. He is respected among the good guys and feared among the bad guys, extremely so. He had to be, in eternity's past, he's part of that original creation of, of angelic beings that were prior to our race, uh, Lucifer was, you know, if he'd have never fallen, that name Lucifer would have probably named some of our children after. I hope you don't name any of yours. <laughs> Though they act like it sometimes. <laughs> but uh, they might have been really, seriously, I, know, I, don't, I can't prove this scripture. I, they might have seriously been friends. Very, you know, they're not mechanics. They're not robots. They had assignments. They did them. You know they're not robots because one actually began to be able to conceive in his own mind, hey, it'd be, I'd, I'd like to be higher than, than God. I'd like to be more than who I am. If it had just, man, if it had just stuck to the, if it had stayed in his lane. 
Lucifer, stay in your lane, man. Godly. All this junk. This junk. <laughs> Just stay in your lane, man. Just enjoy being one of the top dogs in heaven. You don't have to be the top dog. Just enjoy your place and stay humble. Stay humble. They might have been really good friends. But the Bible says here, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, that's Satan, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. Well, let me share just for a moment. When, when Moses uh, died on the mount, nobody knew where he was buried. And it tells us specifically here that Michael went to bury him. Now, I don't, I don't you know, get all this. I just know that he went to bury the body. And I've taught on it a little bit before. There's kind of reasons why. But uh, he, was, he was met with um, opposition. How are we doing, Harry? People getting it? Oh, good. He was met with opposition immediately from another, you might call, in previous past, archangel. Now, he could have uh, stared him down and, you know, the, the memories, the eternal memories that they may have had at one time being on the same side. Now you've got one on the side of good and one on the side of his own created evil, which is the epitome of all evil. But amazing enough, it says here, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation. The word railing here means this in the Greek. It's the word blasphemia, blasphemia, and it means a verification, blasphemy, speaking evil, or evil speaking, a railing. It means really, if you want to put it in our vernacular today, it's a sarcasm or a slurish accusation. The word accusation means... It is the word creesis. You can pronounce it K-E-E-S-I-S. Creesis. And it means this. It is um, an extension by implication of accusation, condemnation, damnation, or judgment. Putting the two together, you have to understand this, that Michael, although he was extremely powerful, would not of his own volition begin to say slurish things of condemnation against Lucifer himself, but stood in, although he's extremely powerful, would not begin to make accusations like, I don't know what he would say. You should have never, why are you here? You're stupid, man. You're dumb. You're illegitimate. You're an illegitimate authority. I don't even have to contend with you. He would not make any of these railing accusations, but he stood in God and said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, what he says on in Jude, in verse 10, it says, but these, that spirit that's alive, speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally of their natural ability as brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves. This is what he wants us to understand. Our authority only is manifest continually in power 
and exousia or our authority is only manifest in Deutimus when we stand in him. Our getting riled up in the flesh and trying to present an argument of anger or I'm not going to respect that office or I'm not going to listen. You can be vehemently against something. And yet you have to continually guard yourself that you're not stepping into the flesh. Facebook remarks, memes of disrespect, or I won't do that, or I wouldn't do that, or whatever. You've got to be careful because he says in the last days, there's a spirit that wants to invade the earth that says, I don't respect anybody that's against me. If you disagree with me, I will not respect you. You're illegitimate. I won't respect your office. I won't respect anything. And he says by way of example, was he legitimizing Satan, his authority? No, he was giving us the, uh, he, the, the, the grand example to say, you better not at any time try to move out of your authority. You better stay in him. Only in him does revival come. Only in him is the nation changed. Did you get anything out of this? It's, we're, we're getting close, but it's teaching the body of Christ because we, we can feel like we're so right in an issue. Michael did not rail on Satan with insults. He used the authority that came from God alone. For us to have a revival, for us to have our revival, we must remain in the spirit. No human efforts or authority will avail anything but just more human efforts and programs. Pastor, do you believe in conspiracy theories? Some, but I do believe in the greatest conspiracy theory, and it's not a theory, it's an absolute truth. The Antichrist is trying to take over the world. And I haven't seen a video yet, and I believe many of them or whatever, I haven't seen anything yet as nasty and as mean and as ugly as really what he wants to, I mean, it is bad in many different places, but I'm telling you, and here's the thing, atheistic, atheistic communism, China, all that, that's bad, but those are only pawns towards, they're only lieutenants, they're, they're principalities ruling over continents, some nations, but those, the, the bottom line is, the bottom line, the greatest conspiracy is the Antichrist the spirit of Antichrist is wanting to take over all nations. Eventually, the spirit of Antichrist, we see it in so many different ways. Communism, it's, it's you know, Pastor Dave used to talk about the king, king cockroach. <laughs> Communism, socialism, all these other, you know, they, they are not king cockroaches. They are big boys. They murder, kill, steal, destroy. But the big, the, the, the one, this will all converge into an actual personality, a personification in the end. This all will go into all of, and, and they'll still have certain nations that will carry out their, you know, their principality, which is communism or this, that, and the other, or false religions in, in certain ones, you know, the Muslim nations and all those. But they will all converge. This, all of this conspiracy will converge into one central location and personality, a personification called the Antichrist. It will happen. Now, 
Uh, can I resist in my nation? Absolutely so. But our resistance is primarily in what we do as salt and light and praying. And I will say this, and this is not to take away anybody's hope. It is just to define what we are supposed to be. You see, some of you, some of you say, well, I've never watched that or I don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you ever have watched any of the uh, Terminator movies, okay, John Connor, his, you know who Terminator is, okay, uh, Arnold, to start with, then he went good, and then back and forth, okay, but John Connor always thought that his assignment was to stop Judgment Day. He did everything in one of those Terminator movies to stop it. And he fell just short of it. But he, he thought he had this predetermined prophecy that he was going to be a major part in it. And he always interpreted his prophecy like, you've got to stop it. He found out Judgment Day was inevitable. And it could never be stopped. It could never be stopped. His part was to defeat or fight against Skynet, right? Listen, here's the bottom line. Now, I, I, I like this part. There's a couple things I can say is this. Even with people trying to show me, I, I, I have not seen ever definitive proof in the Bible myself of the actual end-time role of America. I haven't, you know, well, I can show it. Well, not where some people have tried to show, you know, where. I've not seen a definitive proof of where America's at in the end. So I like that because it gives me some wiggle room to say we could be. Some say it's because we're just totally taken over or some we're still standing as a free nation. I like to think of the, the other, okay, that we're still standing as a free. I also know this. I do know this by, by, I know this by Daniel. I know this by Matthew 23, 24. I know this by Revelation that the Antichrist, his tenure is short-lived it's a build big up, build a big build up to it. It's short lived, as in it's not in decades, but is in a few short years. Um, some say, "Well, we're going to be gone anyway." Boy, I'd love to think that. I just loved it. That would be so cool. But I can tell you this: revival, not revival, whatever. He comes to power. He it it may not be as effective on some parts of the world. But he comes to power. This personification comes to power. It does, you can't stop it in that sense of the word. What we can do, we have to realize our assignment is the kingdom of God. And we can defeat Skynet by, by going into God, being salt and light. You're not going to stop Judgment Day. The Antichrist is going to come into power. Christ is going to come and judge him after coming into power. Thank God he's not going to live for decades, you know, rule for decades. But you're not going to stop Judgment Day, and you're not going to stop him coming into power in some, in, majorly in some nations. But I can tell you this, our job is to, to harvest the earth. Our job is to harvest the earth. Glory be to God. And the only way that we can harvest the earth is to, and he, it, will he protect us? Yes, he will. He will protect us. But I also know this, if I have to give my life for him, I will do it gladly in peace.
because I will have peace on me as Paul and all those men of old had peace on. Can we, can we help save America? I, th- I think that's very possible. I think it really is. But I will tell you this, he still, he still comes into power in the earth, and nothing ever stops that. Not the march for revival or anything. But there is simultaneously, as the darkness gets darker, the light will get lighter, and there will be a simultaneous outpouring on the planet. But whatever we can possibly do for America, if we can get it back to its original values of, of how it was founded, the only hope we have is in an outpouring by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's all stand together. Glory be to God. Father, we worship you and we praise you. We thank you for your amazing love. We are anticipating the outpouring of your Holy Spirit like never before. Now, Lord, we ask that this message will go deep into the hearts of men and women, not only in this place, but in around the world, so that we stand in the days ahead in your spiritual authority and stand on a planet that God wants to redeem with his blood of his son. We commit this day unto you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.